It was good. It was good theatre, wasn't it? No, got everybody pumped up a little bit. That's what it's about. I'm getting all fired up. I'm all fired up and lonesome. Hello and welcome wherever and whenever you're listening to Fire Up, celebrating the theatre, art, culture and science of rugby league. I'm Dennis Carnahan, online with Chris Gale and Redfern Pat, and we're in our 12th week of this remote lockdown recording madness, and the NRL is in crackdown week 14, back down week 8, and they've just completed finals week 1. And as Wayne said, what good theatre it was this weekend. Volandis ball is so much better when you ditch the rubbish from the bottom half of the competition. The finals are largely the halves of the competition and there were some even matchups, games going down to the wire. The mayhem was actually on the field and Volandis is talking about expansion, bringing more have-nots into the competition to dilute the already weakened talent pool and add more blowouts and pain. The Rugby League doomsday clock of actual friend of the show, Steve Mascot, is ticking faster and faster. But with the finals upon us, only four games last week, two next week, two more, then one in three weeks' time, the grand final, you'd think the NRL would be the masters of their domain. So much less admin and logistics to get through with only five games left. But far from it! The grand final is leaving Sydney for the first time ever! They are kowtowing to Melbourne, changing the schedule of the finals at the request of the Storms to allow their alleged fans to watch the AFL Grand Final? How many Storms fans actually exist? How many Storms fans actually watch the AFL? How many Melbournean AFL fans actually know the Storms exist? Kowtowing! And from within... There are rats in the ranks. The NRL is a leaky boat. Loose lips sink ships. But you know what else sinks ships? Sailors who are supposed to be looking after the sails, getting up to mischief above decks, frigging in the rigging, if you will. You know what they called this in the 19th century, the golden era of sail? They called it skylarking. Mucking about up in the rigging. Larking about. Skylarking. The strongest directive the NRL has given their players is no mad Monday dress-up drinks. With the full support of friend of the show, Paul, don't dress me up, Kent, looks to have been disobeyed with the high-flying glamour club from Red Hill in Bris Vegas at Queensland Brisbane Broncos mad Monday celebration got out of hand with, as reported in Rupert's Courier-Mail, skylarking. Skylarking! Don't they know Skylarking sinks ships? Have they no responsibility? This is a slap in the face to Anastasia Palaszczuk who gave the 2021 Rugby League ship safe harbour and allowed it to continue. And is this just the first of many Mad Monday stories to leak? And speaking of leaks, there have been leaks from within the very ranks of the NRL. A confidential Dragons player list naming Jack DeBellin as captain, which was immediately kiboshed by the NRL, was leaked early on that team list Tuesday. A confidential story about Penrith getting reprimanded for their trainer relaying messages to players with walkie-talkies, which they aren't allowed to do, was leaked from within the NRL. And worst of all, private conversations between the coaches and referees boss were leaked. Confidential conversations, Chris Gale, were leaked. Now, the leak had to be 
the greatest piece of theatre thus far. So was it Philandus himself who leaked it? Was it Abdo? Chris, you've got your finger on the pulse. Can you tell us about, firstly, the leak, secondly, the leaker, and just give us a review in your theatrical bent about this magnificent piece of theatre? I have no theatrical ability, Dennis. That's a fact. So I'm just going to tell it as straight as I can see it. First of all, you mentioned Skylarking. That's a terrific XTC album if you ever (laughs) get a chance to listen to it. And again, in the same vein, what about Six Months in a Leaky Boat by Split Ends off Time and Tide? I know. I know. How how prescient does that now feel as though that's actually a a sacred text of what's going on in rugby league, Dennis? And and interestingly, in that song, they don't talk about New Zealand. They talk talk about Aotearoa. (laughs) And currently the New Zealand Maori Party are lobbying to say that within five years we should ditch the name New Zealand and call it Aotearoa, another leaky boat. Yeah, and who would have imagined that a song like that would get inextricably linked, uh, tied up with the, with the General Belgrano, which more than leaks, sadly, <laughs> in the Falkland <laughs> Islands a load of those many years ago. But I think you're referring to very much the, the big story of the day. And of course, that's uh, Jordan Ricky wrestling and skylarking with Tom Flegler. And the second tier story of the day, which continues to reverberate around rugby league, and that is Ivan versus Wayne. Oh. So um, you asked me about the leak. Well, there's a couple of leaks going on, Dennis. Now, Wayne has revealed that he approached the referees about the Penrith offensive downtowning line three weeks ago, and somehow that came back to Ivan, and we'll hear why that might be because of certain mates that Ivan has. And equally, we could be talking about how did those tactics even get to Wayne? And uh, no more a clean skin than poor old Josh Sauce Mansour has been in dispatches mentioned as possibly having tipped Wayne into those tactics. So there's a sieve. It's rugby league and it's leaking, Dennis. Can I simply say, though, for mine, that Penrith versus South semi final last weekend, that was Wayne beating Ivan before the game in the press. Wayne giving it to Ivan throughout the game, 16 points to 10 on the actual Saturday night. And then, as we'll go into now, tallying him up in the press conferences. Game set and match Wayne Bennett. And I'm looking forward to seeing Penrith out in straight sets this weekend when they fall to the Parramatta Eels, led by ex-Tiger <laughs> Mitchell Moses. <laughs> what are you laughing at? Because... <laughs> Losing to the Parramatta Eels, that oh, I, I don't, I don't even know how. Like I watched that game of the week, I don't even know how the Penrith, the, the Parramatta Eels even made it to the finals. I, I, I just don't get it from watching them. But, but let's not get distracted by the frippery of the Eels. Let's get amongst what Ivan actually said. Now, Ivan, he's. We've discussed before, his son has immaculate eyebrows, has that chin, has that moustache. Some people thought he's the TikTok dancer. But he himself, what did he have to th- say about what they did in that game? You know, I don't think we lose too many friends from tonight, so... Um. <laughs> lose too many friends? W- would you count yourself as a friend of Ivan? No, I don't. Uh, I haven't been a friend of Ivan ever since he parked... Well, got off the bus at Penrith and sent it catapulting towards Bankwest Stadium, Campbelltown and Leichhardt in a state of continuous disarray that has wrecked my life from that day forward. And Ivan, I don't know, like I think he's gone in and says, okay, I'm playing in the big leagues now, but he's got something gnawing at his, gnawing at the back of his head, Dennis. Mm-hmm. And it's not the clippers that was used to sculpt the eyebrows of Nathan. It's the fact that the likes of Buzz Rothfield are writing articles saying 
He is the longest-serving NRL coach not to win a premiership behind one Brian Smith, who got to the big dance four times and went 0-4. And, and that is starting to worry him. So he's trying to deflect, not from his team's performance, but from <laughs> his own performance, by coming into the press conference and trying to show that he can do Wayne Bennett better than Wayne Bennett Ooh. and that he's some form of evil genius. Mm. Now, people who listen to this show and don't like rugby league, and that's a very common phrase, I hate rugby league but I love fire up, they might have listened to it and thought, but everyone hates Ivan Cleary, how can anyone say it? What did Blocker Roach have to say about Ivan? Yeah. You know, the other just, thing, yeah. he's such a nice bloke, Ivan, no one's ever put any pressure on him. Everyone loves him. All of a sudden, Wayne puts pressure on. Everyone loves This is an ex-Tiger. He's saying this. Yeah. Apparently, everyone loves Ivan. Chris, how do you respond to that accusation? I can't, res- I can't respond to that. I think Steve Roach's performance as a commentator continues to be on the upswing, Dennis. But, like, I don't think he's concentrating hard enough. I mean, what Cleary does is he comes in very emotionally level. He doesn't rant and rave. He can't be pictured up in the box a la Bellamy giving it to people. He can't be documented in a documentary a la Madge giving it to his team. And some people are seduced by that. And really, he thinks this is the opportunity for me to reveal my evil genius. But I think all you just hear, Dennis, is that he's just evil. Yeah, well, so what, let's hear, what did he actually say? It's probably not the forum to talk about it, but the NRL has got to make a decision on uh, whether they're going to allow coaches to um, deliberately manipulate uh, referees and try and influence them. Um, coaches do it because they can, you know. We get fined afterwards. Uh, but pre-game, um, yeah, you can. it's pretty much open slather, I think. So, as I said, I was guilty of it myself because I had to, because, you know, we had to respond. But Well, I think he's, um, he's, he's kind of come off a little bit wrong there because they don't get fined for trying to influence the referees. They get fined for saying the referees are inept and for naming them and for saying they're unbalanced or they're biased. They don't get if, – if you're calling the referees to say this play is happening – is that allowed? What can we do about it legally? That's quite a different thing, is it not? Yeah, and but what he was wanting to try and do, Dennis, was take the principles in the post-game press conference and then put it into a wider net so that you can't really say anything or attempt to uh, influence the referees beforehand. I just wonder whether Ivan wears a hair shirt because, <laughs> because there's, there's just a feeling here that he goes – okay, I've got to do something to take attention away from the fact that we're unbackable favourites and now we've got to get through the Melbourne Storms in order to get to the grand final. Mm. And so he said, well, let's have a debate about the performance of referees and I'll seduce everyone by self-flagellating and saying, cuff me now, it's a fair cop, my lad. I'm guilty. <laughs> I don't think anyone was buying it. Do you think he's, I mean, to use another vernacular, do you think he, he actually thought that he might be able to throw Wayne under the bus? Because he, he doesn't mind a bus, does he? <laughs> like, in, in a sense, Ivan's been sweating on this defeat for this exact moment <laughs> for him to move up in the pantheon of great coaches because it's a fairly empty vessel. We know there's, <laughs> we know that there's Wayne, there's Robbo, and there's Bellyache, and that's it. And Ivan goes, no one's talking about me. Blocker thinks I'm a nice guy. I'm not. I'm an evil genius, and I'm going to <laughs> demonstrate it. Well, we've had a listen to him. Let's have a listen to exactly what was said in Wayne's press conference. Well, he's he's pretty succinct, isn't he? With that comment, yeah, Yeah. he's a cheerleader. He's a cheerleader. It's a very it's 
It does. It does sum up a lot. It would probably. Would you find yourself agreeing with that sentiment that Wayne's expressed there? We know I'm on record, Dennis, that it's been very, very difficult to work my way through all four episodes of Wild West Tales from Tiger Town, and I'm mired in episode three. But, but I am, and I have been concerned about the fact that the Penrith has something on the NRL. You know, you know, Nathan. Mm. Apparently, it wasn't a shoulder charge; it was a shoulder brace. Yeah. And where was the forensic footage of the Leichhardt faithful when we sealed mm. the victory by going ahead by 14 with less than 10 minutes to go, turning to Ivan, pointing to our Opal cards and saying, Cleary's a wanker. And really, Wayne said, you know what? The West Tigers fans have a point. And even though it's not in the documentary, Wayne doesn't forget. And Wayne brought that to the table on Friday, on Saturday night. And I'm with him. Well, Wayne loved the pantomime of that night. And that's one thing we heard at the start. Wayne loves a bit of theatre and that's what it's all about. Let's have a little bit more of a listen to what he said. Ivan Cleary just sat in here and said he doesn't think that coaches should be able to to say things like that pre-game. You're fine post-game if you say things that might have an influence over the officiating or the result. Well, Well, I couldn't agree with him more on that, but that's why I didn't say anything. He was the one that came out and started mouthing off. So just get that in, in, in its right perspective. So if he's critical, he's critical of himself. You know, we know what the rules are. They interpret the rules. Well, if they've got a different slant on to us, I've got to know that. I've got to talk to them about that. And I've got to say the conversations are cordial and, and no one's carrying on. And, and I was happy with their response. But I left it there. I, I didn't tell you people. I wasn't the one that started it. Started it. Who did well, Ivan did because he came out. But then, who, who, who why did it leak? You know, well, he worked for him. He worked for the referees before he went back into coaching. I've got to assume he's got some mates there still. <laughs> Again, it comes down to the assumption that he has mates. <laughs> yeah, well, that's obviously one of the alleged sources of the leak. And I tell you what, it's the strongest thing he's got going for him in terms of being regarded as an evil genius the fact that he's mates with referees. What I love about Wayne, though, is ostensibly they said Ivan is suggesting that they should prevent referees being contacted by coaches in the lead-up to games. And Wayne opens his response with, I agree entirely with Ivan, and then goes on to explain why he wants to preserve the right to approach referees (laughs) during games and talk about it publicly. So basically he's agreeing with everyone. And that was the beautiful manipulation, that's the word that's really come up in this particular incident, Dennis, where at the end of the day, Wayne has 180 I 100% disagree with Ivan whilst publicly stating that I totally agree with him, leaving Ivan with nowhere to go. Uh, Those astute listeners who listened to last week's show would have recalled in the opener, those who've memorised it, um, that I I, I made a little little clowning gag about, come, you sit in my chair, it's a good chair. No, I don't want to sit in your chair. Yes, you come and sit in my chair. What we've done here, this is a classic piece of clowning where... Wayne has turned up with a nice-looking wooden chair, and he's gone to Ivan, Ivan, would you like to sit in my chair? And Ivan's gone, oh, I don't trust you, Wayne. No, come and sit in my chair. It's a nice chair. And Ivan's like, really? Yeah, it's comfortable. You come and sit in my chair. Ivan's then backed onto the chair, and just as he's about to sit down, Wayne has pulled it out, and Ivan's fallen on his butt. He's had the masterstroke. Well, you know what occurs to me, Dennis? As a big fan of the Peanuts comic strip, (laughs) the recurrent thing where Lucy holds the ball for Charlie Brown to do the run-up and kick, And at the very last moment, he pulls it and he does it time and time again. Ivan Cleary is Charlie Brown. And also Wayne Bennett is Lucy, which is is interesting. 
<laughs> interesting to reflect on, isn't it? And of course, what this leads down now is a lot of uh, the expert observation about this is that Ivan should never have said these things, um, given that Wayne was going second in the press conference. Are we now to have the point where the two coaches have to draw lots or is it a convention that the winner always gets to go second? These are issues that I think we need to explore further. Well, I wish, with, with the press conferences, I wish we'd been, had been recording them because this is the previous press conference, the Melbourne Storms press conference. Um, <laughs> uh, Bellamy walked into the press conference and sat down and, and because we had the direct feed from nine, we had it up and I was packing up and I just had the volume up to listen to it. <laughs> And there he is, comes out and goes, oh, where's Cameron? Isn't Cameron work for you guys? Where's I, was, I was expecting some hard-hitting questions. Isn't he a journalist now? Did that make the press conference? I don't think no, it did. And, and, and I don't know if you caught 100% footy last night, but the NRL trophies on a tour, surprisingly, in Queensland, and there's footage of Cam roaring up on a jet ski and walking up onto a beach and being photographed next to the NRL trophy. Cameron Smith, jet skis, and the NRL Premiership Trophy, I'll lead you to connect the dots on that one. <laughs> Sounds like a life, an outdoor lifestyle camping adventure. <laughs> well, Michael Shamus made the remark, I think something along the lines of that that jet ski come great straight from the garage. Mm. <laughs> when it was brown paper bags and it wasn't on the contract either. Oh, what, we, what happens when if you get a boat, GI style or whatever, it's obviously not a brown paper bag, but does it still come in some sort of brown covering? No matter what the size of the incentive is, it still needs to be cloaked in some form of brown in order to pass muster? I don't know. <laughs> it probably does. But now, with, within this whole thing, there's been another story, another casualty. Who was we that? We do like to tell the untold stories, Dennis. No, I, I, I think you should tell it, Chris. Well... You know, the big choice we always face, Dennis, at these times is do I watch Fox or do I watch Nine? And sometimes you can actually channel flip. But I happen to be watching Fox in the in the period of time where they went to Ivan and did the press conference. And let me tell you, the panel was just absolutely fired up, uh, particularly Cooper Cronk, who just says, oh, Ivan, he's walked into it. And he had this to say about how Wayne would respond. Losing week one of the finals and you spend three quarters of your press conference after losing, speaking about those words, influence, manipulation. Well, I guarantee Wayne Bennett comes into his press conference and doesn't even say a word about it because that's the one-two card of Wayne Bennett through his coaching career. And- <laughs> that, that you can take that to the bank from Cooper Cronk. Wayne Bennett will say nothing. And by the way, this is the guy, as we'll explore later, who's responsible for the selection of the next Queensland origin coach. <laughs> Look... No one's no one's arguing against his football credentials, Dennis, but in terms of an analyst, he's still got his training wheels on and they need to rein him in because he's not making the brand look good, Dennis. It almost made me switch over and have to see what Gal had to say. Oh, well, I can tell you there were, there were fans on the on a number of NRL pages I follow blowing up Deluxe because they're unaccustomed to Channel 9's coverage <laughs> and there was this blow-up saying, why don't you show the football instead of showing some micmoc on the screen and putting the football into a little screen. They missed a conversion. They didn't show a conversion on one of the tries because they were showing some micmoc. They were, they just get caught up with themselves, with their hosts, with the personality. It's as if they're trying to broadcast rugby league to people who don't like rugby league, a bit like yeah. us. <laughs> Imagine that. I hope you directed those fans to our Blowing Up Deluxe Facebook group, Dennis, that you can apply to join through our Facebook page. Remiss of me. I'll go on there now because they're all Eels fans. They all love blowing up Deluxe and they all hate the Eels. Um, But 
So he guaranteed that Wayne wouldn't respond to Ivan's allegations in the post-match presses. How did, yeah, how did- he got that. He got that completely wrong. Um, look, just reflecting on the Parramatta Penrith game because that's where Penrith are now heading. There's been a lot of talk about West Tigers coach Major Maguire. The review is in. It's been to Kinkos. It's been bound. It's been laminated. It's been delivered, <laughs> and it recommends apparently that Cameron Seraldo be our next coach. Unfortunately, Seraldo says I'm not looking at this issue until Penrith are bounced from the finals, which could be as late as the grand final. So right now, there is no bigger fan of Ivan Cleary in the Penrith Panthers than Madge Maguire because the longer the Penrith survive, the more likely it is that Madge will survive. So I'm torn, Dennis, because I want to see the Panthers out in straight sets, but I want to stand with Madge for at least one more season. Oh, my God. Look, I think we should get on to Cameron Sheraldo a bit later. But first, let's have the last word from Ivan. Yeah, like I said, I probably should have brought it up, but I believe in it. So the game with Big Mouth Ivan putting his foot in it and falling off the chair, that was one of the finals. Chris, there was there was four finals this weekend. Did anything else interesting happen in any of them? I watched all of them, Dennis, because I'm that dedicated to my craft. I know you switched off and you were actually working the games, but uh, I think it, overall there were, the game we've already covered, Penrith versus South, was the only one regarded as the upset. The Manly Ringer Seagulls were blown off Sunshine Coast Stadium, which I'm assuming the Melbourne Storms will never leave because they're – talk about your fortresses. Mm. Uh, they got blown off. And then we had a – well, turned out to be a thriller simply by the scoreboard, which was actually a drop fest being the Roosters versus Gold Coast that finished in some controversial circumstances and exciting circumstances. But it was a low-quality game. It was a bludger, as they like to say. <laughs> and and then we finished Fur, who was interested <laughs> up there at Rocky with the Eels taking on the Knights. And was it a penalty try? Did he drop the ball? Guffo? I don't care. But I'm telling you, you could get the scouting report simply by doing one thing. True friend of the show, Andrew Webster, gave you all you needed to know on the Friday because he was on the inside at the Twin Waters Resort up at the Sunshine Coast. You're saying he's embedded. So he's in there with Flak Jacket Corey. I'm saying someone's leaking. That's right. all I'm, I'm right. saying. I'm assuming... I'm actually safely assuming Webby is not there, um, but Corey Parker could be the source of it. Frontline Corey Parker, as I like to refer to him. So you've got Panthers who played Souths, Roosters who played Gold Coast, Knights who played Eels, and Sea Eagles who played the um, Storms, right? Mm -hmm. And this is what uh, Webby's spies reported. The Roosters are often locked in conversation over coffee. The Panthers are skulking around with music blaring from their boombox. The Knights have been low-key. Uh, almost shy and nervous after limping into the finals with a string of unconvincing performances. But here's the rub. Then there's the Seagulls. They look like they're on holidays, lazing around the pool, some of them sucking on vapes without a care in the world and not daunted about taking on the defending premiers in the first week of the finals. Well, they should have been. Dare said it was impossible to beat the Storm and the wingman himself was 100% correct 
because they got beaten into the tune of 40 points to 12. What are they doing, Dennis, vaping at a holiday resort at a time like this? Did they think it was Mad Monday? I said they Did got they- confused. Do you know, you know, there's rules that Dennis, that Des, Dennis, Dennis Hasler, now there's a thought. There's rules that Des can't talk footy to them on certain days. Mm-hmm. Well, the roster got turned upside down. They're not used to finals. They didn't discuss rugby league at all during the week. They just sat by the pool vaping away, I don't know, cherry burst or cinnamon <laughs> surprise or whatever it is they're doing these days, and it hasn't played out well for them. I mean, Tommy Turbo looked like he was in some sort of vape-induced haze out there. Well, I think what, what you'll find with vehicles, motor vehicles, the turbocharger, it, it aspirates the engine. It uses the exhaust power to push the, the power of the exhaust to push, to inject the fuel into the engine. So what you've had there, without turbo, you had a naturally aspirated manly, manly team. So they were aspirating uh, vape instead of aspirating <laughs> from the turbo. And that's what it appeared right. like. They, 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 it just it was misfiring. It was dud. It was dull even. you know, And <laughs> the bubble on Morgan Harper. He's, Lionel Richie is no longer dancing on the ceiling. Yeah, yeah. He's no longer the face of Soul Glow or whatever that Soul was suggested to us all, earlier in the, in the season. I mean, it really was tough. a tough time to be a centre with the, the letter H, if you think of Herbert as well there for the Gold Coast, mm. who... As Corey Thompson was wont to point out, and quite rightly, just pass me the fucking ball. But uh, and, they, well, think- and Herbert, Herbert has the ball. They have seconds left. He has one point two million dollars of Fafita, whose sole purpose in that one point two million dollars is getting the ball five meters out and walking over three defenders. There was only two. He was there going, yeah. "This is what I'm here for. Can you give me the ball?" No, he didn't. I don't know about that. I've reviewed the footage, and I'm certainly saying he should have kicked it out to Corey, but I don't want to speak ill of a man earning $1.2 million because I'm very envious. But it looks to me like he just withdrew from the play and put his hands down, Dennis. I think on the biggest stage of all, <gasps> Dave Fafita might have gone missing, or as our friend Brendan Cowwood say, Fafita went missing. Hmm. That's my personal view. But i got to say, that Manly Storms game was embarrassing. I've got a lot of members in my family who don't like me, and I'm looking for a way to connect with them. <laughs> so we set up a Facebook time, FaceTime, audio, whatever you want to call it, call. And I said, this game that I'm passionate about, you are going to see the man who's having the greatest season in the 113-year history of the game in Australia in Tommy Turbo. And he recorded the least number of possessions he's had since he played in the under-7s of Warrywood. It was just embarrassing. They all left me at halftime and I had to – skulk around like the Panthers playing some music from my boombox to dull the pain. Well, the most the most exciting part of that game um, was, of course, the biggest piece of clickbait was uh, Josh Adokar, COVID breach. Oh, and we're thinking, yes. oh, here we go. We've got unlicensed firearms again. We're riding <laughs> motorbikes without a license, unlicensed. What's, what's he done now? dancers on the field. What's he done now? <laughs> and is, is he having a barbecue? Was he, did he go to the Manly boys? Oh, why don't you have a barbecue in goal because he got so many tries? Might as well hang out there like that. But no, no, all he did, he was the ball boy. And according to the ground manager, he was getting a bit too excited. He was getting too excited. He was getting loud. He did admit himself, bra, that he was getting a headache, bra, from all the shouting, bra. Now, he says more bras per minute than any Queenslander says Queens, like, generally Queensland politicians run at three to four Queenslands per minute in their speech. A regular Queenslander, maybe only two to three Queenslands per minute. He's running at six to eight bras per minute in his interviews. It's astonishing. 
Yeah, bro. Yeah, bro. Yeah, he is. But he's gotten rid of that. Were, were there any other games? What other? That, 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 that was pretty much it. I think I've sort of, you know, covered the field there. And, boy, the Knights and the Eels. You, you really you really felt like you're one of the hard and faithful watching that display. Mm. And Purists. Uh, Adam, one for the purists. <laughs> oh, boy. Adam O'Brien. Talk about work to do. Though there was a very, very fetching photograph of young Adam with Brad Arthur in their junior footy days. Oh. Let me tell you, Brad Arthur with hair, it's quite the sight. Wow. Brad Arthur with hair. And then, of course, you've got the hair of um, of your wingman. He's looking magnificent. I've been accused of having a similar haircut, which is why I really need to get rid of mine. And we should point out for the it's, – it's a shame this isn't a visual medium with what <laughs> Pat has done to his head because it's very, very rugby league with the undercut at the sides. That's, he's all, you think it's a touch of Pappenhausen, do you? It's even got a little bit. It looks like he hasn't. He probably hasn't shaved for three weeks. So there's a tiny little bit of bum fluff on the top of his lip. It looks even a little bit cleary. We're going to have to watch out for Pat because right now he's luxuriating in the fact that the rabbits got a week off, and he described to me as the victory over the Panthers, the second best South game after the 2014 grand final victory. It's going to be a very, very tough time when he comes crashing down in a couple of weeks. I can tell you that. Who, who are they playing? Uh, winner of Manly Roosters. Ah, oh, they'll wipe them. It's it's the following week that they're going to have the problem. But you were wow. mentioning there in the grand final. You were mentioning there the uh, that Brad Arthur with hair. Now, would you say he was a, an attractive young man when he had hair? Um, yeah, look, I thought he had a, a sort of a very personable thing, and in fact, he was slightly reminiscent of Bruce Campbell, star of the Evil Ooh. Dead movies. Right. So you know, I could I could sort of imagine Brad. Adding to his coaching repertoire, maybe just you know self amputating an arm and strapping a chainsaw <laughs> to it, and he goes, "If you do any more dumb things, which he again referenced in his post match presser on Sunday, I'll bring this down on your fellas, and that might just get Parramatta over the edge." I'm telling you. So he's pulled out dumb again. I noticed he also pulled out a washing machine reference as well. Oh, this whole front loading going on everywhere. The whole laundry business is going everywhere. But the reason I asked that because we mentioned before, I tell you who else is a very good looking young man. Cameron Sheraldo. Mm. Have you had a look at him? Have you yeah, had a look at those handsome. those eyebrows? That they're, they're not over manicured. Like Michael Ennis was discussing how how immaculate the manicure was on um, Ivan's son's eyebrows, but his eyebrows they aren't manicured. They're just they're bushy, but they're very they 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 still have a nice curve and a nice peak to them. He's Northern Italian, very attractive man. Now which. The- Plays yeah, into the future say, of rugby league, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I was just going to say that that was Hook's recruitment strategy at Penrith. He said, I want to recruit the best-looking assistant coaches in the history of rugby league, and he ended up with Seraldo and Barrett. But mm. he found that he, he couldn't control the narrative when they were out on the on the circuit, right, which is why he's now gone, he's gone for the likes of Elliot and Gentle <laughs> and Ferris in the aging St. George. He's some chance, Hook, if he's out on the tiles with those boys. Yes, but well, that that is a very good looking bunch of assistants. But Cameron, so Cameron's been the defensive coach for the Eels. Now Cameron was also the Eels, sorry, the the Panthers. Uh, Cameron, he was the coach of the 2015-2016 NYC team at Penrith, which included the likes of Dylan Edwards, Jerome Luai, Moses Leota, James Fisher, Harris, Tyrone May, who's I think he's still doing the 300 hours of community service. Is he on the same community <laughs> service ticket as you? At least, yeah. Like, I mean, it, I think he's got fifty hours of. He's got to come to Roosters games when he's not he actually does? playing on that day. Yeah. yeah. Well, have you Have you seen him in the chat rooms? Is he Does he contribute much? The last thing I want to confess is that I've been in the same <laughs> chat rooms as Tyrone May. Okay, I've got 
I've got I've, I've got a reputation to consider. But Cameron also coached Brenton Aiden, Robert Jennings, Corey Hattery United, Kate Ellis, who are all departing. What I'm suggesting to you is there was you mentioned earlier that he might be up for the Tigers coaching role. Yeah. Now, could it yes. be that he's got this relationship? He coached those, he's been coaching the Panthers that those kiddies who are growing up and becoming men through that pubescent period, he's been coaching them for five years. Is he really going to have any hope with the Tigers? Because let's face it, the Tigers haven't got a lot of boys. They've got a lot of old men. Well, I'm not sure there's old men. I just think that, you know, Madge is saying we're looking for some men and Penrith have shown that they are able to take people from being boys to men with the appropriate beatbox encouragement. I, to be honest, like I, I just sort of feel that for Soraldo we'd probably do just as well with Geraldo. Um, <laughs> and uh, I hope that that review that's sitting in Lee Hadjipatelis' inbox as we speak is go, just goes, give Madge another crack. Sheens, of course, has now been announced as coaching director. This is what we call bracket creep in the industry, Dennis. <laughs> you sort of say, Tim Sheens will be coming to the West Tigers in a ill-defined, part-time, morale-based role. Then it just sort of starts to go, well, it's pathways, it's development. He'll be running the cafe at the Centre of Excellence at Concord. Now he's head of coaching operations. I'm telling you what, you'll see for the first time in the history of rugby league a single position devoted to the CEO, the chair, and the coach of an NRL team, and I'll have T. Sheens on the nameplate on that very big desk. Will he be one of the uh, the models lying on the uh Massage tables when they do the next the next video walkthrough of the Centre of Excellence. Will Timmy be in that? Will he be behind the camera as well? He put it on as a you know self timer or something. I tell you what though, I mean, if, have a look at some of that animation. I think if you actually do look at the barista uh, who's serving the coffees in the community asset area of the Centre of Excellence out at Concord, he does seem to have a very high forehead. <laughs> I mean, so, so it may well be a, a Sheen's avatar. Ooh. And uh, let me tell you this. We know our friend Brendan Cowell has filmed Avatar 2 and 3. Avatar 4, where Tim Sheens has a role in a James Cameron blockbuster. <laughs> but that's a movie I'd like to see. Well, let's – let's. I'd love to delve more into the tragic tales from Tiger Town, but I can see the pain on your face, so I'll, I'll, yes. I'll stop. Let's get into something even more painful, which I, I mentioned in the opener, that the storms – the storms, the NRL a week ago was saying, we will not be moving our game to, to kowtow to the AFL. We don't care. If people want to watch the AFL, they can watch the AFL. If people want to watch rugby league, they can watch rugby league until the storms come to town. And the storms come in and say, no, 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 our fans, we've got so many fans in Melbourne who want to watch both. Rubbish. Is, is there any sense in this? Is this just the NRL losing its plot and backing down? Has has the murderer, as he's called, has the murderer won? Yeah, Gil McLaughlin is sitting pretty right now. There's Admiral Abdo and the Horseman. It's basically a shambles, Dennis. I mean, we were told incontrovertibly by Andrew Abdo that we are definitely going to stick to our guns and don't care whether the Johnny-come-lately AFL have now scheduled their grand final in a couple of weeks' time on a Saturday night at the Dish Liquor Bowl over in Perth. We are standing our ground. We are rugby league. We represent... Our fans, we shall not be beaten forever standing in front of them all. Yesterday, he had this to say, rugby league is about the fans who have made it clear across the weekend that they are disappointed about having to choose between the preliminary final and the AFL grand final. We pride ourselves on, wait for it, Dennis, being agile. 
and listening to our fans. It's clear that a small change of the schedule provides the best outcome for, now really wait for it, Dennis, our fans in Melbourne, (laughs) who have been incredibly loyal throughout the pandemic. The Rugby League is entirely basing its decisions in the modern day based on a team that actually plays in Queensland on the Sunshine Coast, has a supporter base of about 5,000 people and a cowbell at best, and we're now turning our plans upside down so that they can supposedly watch the AFL Grand Final at the same time. It makes no sense to me, none whatsoever. I believe that there still remains to this day only one player who's played for the Storm who's actually from Melbourne. Oh, Pat's about to jump in. Two. Two? It's two. What do you got, Pat? There's three. Three. Right. Three, there's Young Tonomapia, Young Tonomapia. Mahe Fenua, and mm-hmm. there's one at the moment, uh, Eremaya. There you go, perfect. And they're actually born and raised Victorians? Yeah. Wow. Uh, born, I'm not sure about born because I think Eremaya might be Fijian. So they entered the competition in 1997, was it? 98. 98, thank you, 98. So that'll be uh, 23 years ago. They've added- They did technically have four years off though. They've added, <laughs> they've added three players to the gene pool of rugby league. The gene pool is being watered down, and they're going to add another team to it. The gene pool, which really there's eight teams going around that can play rugby league, and there's another eight which are duds, and there's a ninth coming, an additional one that's going to come in that's going to be full of duds. And I doubt there'll be any Melbourne-born players playing for the dud team from Queensland, whether it's from the the coast or from the mountains or from the Western Corridor. And where so the game is giving in to this fan base. What power do they have? I know, it's a complete fiasco. And, I mean, to absolutely rub salt into their own wounds, listen to this spin from Admiral Abdo on his leaky boat. This year has been unique. And an afternoon preliminary final is also an opportunity to provide a more appealing time slot for younger families in southeast Queensland to attend the game. Why didn't you schedule it for that time in the beginning? And why don't you schedule the grand final for that time on the Sunday? Yes, it's oh, it's it's hypocrisy of the highest order, Dan. Absolute hypocrisy. Now and, I said, and I'd say we're not going to stand for it, except there's not thing one we can do about it. The only thing I can say is that I'm kind of delighted because it means I won't be working Saturday night. Because I suspect the ABC will broadcast the AFL Grand Final, so I might get Saturday night off and do the footy, do the footy do in the wanna, afternoon, and then get to go home. But I shouldn't wanna, preempt. Want to be for a picnic somewhere? Well. Pat, come along. That's three of us. We can get two more. We should have this as a prize. Two poor suckers can come along and have a picnic with us on Saturday night. Thank you, Gladys. But, but a- Dennis, that's not that's not all that's happening up north, is it? Not all that's happening up north? What else is happening so, up north? Well, Abdo and the Horsemen have doubled down. Like They've given all the Rugby League live content to Queensland over the last few months. Fair enough. Thank you, Anastasia. We appreciate it. You think at the very least... They could throw us a morsel as we open up with picnics and the whole like and as the restrictions are being released here in New South Wales. But we're no shot. The grand finals at Suncor, Dennis. Lang Park. I mean, what a, what a, Park what a history-making event. And, and you can imagine that there will be Queenslanders getting very excited by the fact that finally, after all these years, they've been lobbying for it. You get, we, you get people lobbying every week saying, why is it that when you look at the rugby league history, it only goes New South Wales Rugby League into NRL? It doesn't include QRL. That's not considered top grade. New South Wales Rugby League is considered top grade. QRL is considered a second grade comp. But they've now got a grand final. They must be t- frothing. Uh, frothing, frothing as... <laughs> 
as uh, Ivan said in his in his press conference, you guys froth over this stuff. Did you pick that up? Wasn't that beautiful? Frothing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, more mouthing off. But there's one rugby league enthusiast who's particularly pleased about the announcement, Dennis. To the point, for some people, this will be once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to see a Brisbane Grand That's the one they should make it a bank, just because mm-hmm. of that moment. Because the contract's in place, it's going to be 25 years. You know, give Suncorp Stadium a hell of a um, investment, make it a big occasion for everyone. Bring back Tina Turner, <laughs> whatever you want to do, because I've played in front of that crowd before. And it, uh, it puts lead in your pencil, trust me, so make it, make it a bit of fun. <laughs> I'm excited already. Uh, now, when you say... <laughs> wow, Cooper. Lead in the pencil, Cooper. I tell you what, I mean, maybe that's what got him on the field for the 2018 grand final. He had a little bit of lead in the pencil that supported that dodgy shoulder. I don't know what was going on there, but he clearly likes it. But he, Cooper's everywhere at the moment, Dennis, because he's also apparently got a seat now on the second-tier Queensland Rugby League board, <laughs> and, and they're responsible for replacing the departing Paul Green as the origin coach. And I don't want to go into it now, but there's talk of some form of hybrid, like a Toyota Camry or something, Thurston, Smith, Slater ticket with a side chaser of Mal Meninga. I mean, it really, it really does feel like the four horsemen of the apocalypse coming together in some way, shape or form. But Cooper is actually making the call on who that is and he'll be making it soon, apparently. When do you make a decision? Uh, There's a board meeting within two weeks and I guarantee it'll be made by then. Sit tight. Mm, Sharpen your pencils. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) That's put lead in my pencil. That's very exciting. (laughs) Bonnie's got lead in her pencil. Kenty's sharp. Was that Kenty sharpening his pencil? Isn't that amazing? given that they've got no teams left in the NRL finals and they've trounced in origin this year, that there's been no better time to be a Queensland fan of rugby league. Well, they do have the, the, the Sunshine Coast Storms. Let's not nah, forget. I stand corrected. They have the, they're the number one. They're the top ticket. But I, I promised earlier that I wouldn't go back into Tiger Tales, <clears throat> but there was a talk this week that... Uh, Adam Elliott, whose contract has been a, a mutual agreement shelved. It wasn't yes. torn up. This is no, a very rare un- thing. Yeah, unlike uh, Josh Dugan, who went through the usual ceremonial tearing up, which he actually asked for because he says, if you keep paying me, I can't afford the fines. Work out that. That's, that's rugby league mathematics 101, let me tell you. But Adam Elliott, by mutual arrangement, has put his shirt back on and had the contract put in the in the draw, Dennis, for his recent indiscretions. But it was good to see that Arthur Laundy, the principal sponsor of the Bulldogs, mm. came out and said, I'm still buddies with Adam because, let's face it, he's one of my best customers. <laughs> Would that mean that perhaps Laundy might skip town and, and jump to the Tigers as a sponsor to follow his mate? We're, we're a very welcoming community there, and I think that uh, the Arthur Laundy commemorative or celebratory bar as part of the community asset Next to the coffee shop run by Tim Sheens, now you're really talking about a centre of excellence. So come on in, Adam. Come on in, Curtis Scott. The way we're going, Dennis, come on in, dudes. You're all welcome <laughs> at Tiger Town. Look, you may as well, if you're going to bring in Curtis Scott, Adam, uh, you may as well bring in. Where's Vaughn going? It's a shame he's not coming over as well. You may as well bring the whole Dragons, the Bulldogs 5 and the lot. Because this week, while the NRL, they've banned Mad Monday, they, of course... They've kind of missed. It's like shutting the gate after the horses bolted, if I can use that cliche. That uh, the off-field misbehaviour 
that they were hoping to sub- to stop by banning Mad Monday, it's already happened. for the latest instalment of The Life and Times of Gus Gould. Harbour Cruises, selling Harbour Cruises to your mates. And <laughs> I love that. What a great road. I should have done it my whole life. I, I, I might have been a billionaire if I'd have kept going. Might have had my own ferries. <laughs> Gus, the Could manager. Running my own boats on Sydney Harbour, not caring <laughs> about the media and football world and all oh. that. You know, I might have been a billionaire. I might have yep. luxury yachts going around the world. Well, you've got elite cruises. <laughs> elite cruises. We used to make these little cardboard t- little cardboard tickets. Really? All, all that had on Harbour Cruise, Saturday night, circular key, 7 o'clock, bring your own drink, five bucks. We'd fill the boat up, pay for the boat and the jukebox. And the, the third time we ran one, here's the story, the third time we ran one, the jukebox, we left, we left circular key at five past seven, the jukebox on song number two, got stuck on Nutbush City Limits by <laughs> Tina Turner and would only play the one song for the whole cruise. Oh, stop it. For the whole cruise. We only had one song. We, so we, we, the cruise used to go from 7 to 11. We had four hours of Nutbush City Limits. <laughs> by the end of the night, Nutbush City Limits. They'd all cheer again, Nutbush City Limits, and away they go. Uh, crazy. No one asked for a refund. They were doing the dance in their sleep by the end of the night. And that was the latest instalment of The Life and Times of Gus Gould. See, back in the old days, it was a mullet. And if you went to the school dance, you wore a floral shirt, high-waisted trousers, bell-bottom pants, high-platform shoes. Flares. Yeah, flares with the high heels. 
Oh, Gus, those were the days. Imagine imagine going on a cruise with Gus. I've played on a few cruises on the harbour. Gus hasn't been on the... Frank Finchie was on one, and he was keen to get on the cans, and they were telling stories that they don't tell on Fox Sports, telling some very risque stuff. Imagine being on with I'm, Gus. I'm telling you, our dear friend Stephen Ferris is the music curator of Vivid at the moment, mm. and he's on the lookout for boutique events. I feel a Guskell curated harbour cruise sailing past those lit up opera house sails with all sorts of scenes from rugby league with nutbush city limits blaring out on loop. So it's artistic. It's like, you know, it's like a minimalist thing. Like, you know, our version of Lou Reed's Metal Machine music. That will be a vivid event to remember. That is got to be happening next year. Could we get gas? In a floral shirt, bell bottoms and bug crushes, like some good, you know, six-inch platform heels to get out there and lead the nut bush. Well, I've got, I've actually got footage of this, guys. You've got I've footage got of footage. it? I've got footage of Gus's old parties. I've got a tape of it. So what? Shut her up. Yeah, go ahead. I do a lot of research, uh, Dennis. So here we are, we're on the boat. Stephen Ferris over there DJing. He's got Nutbush going. Have a look around. Oh, there's Gus Gould. He's coming out of the bathroom. He's got his flares on. He's wearing sunglasses at night for some reason. He's, oh, what's this? The DJ. The DJ's playing his favourite song. Oh, Gus is going out, to the, uh, going out to the dance floor. The crowd's going up. And boy, I tell you what, is he moving. <laughs> anyway, we're all fired up. Let's go. We've got to get Gus on the show. We've got to get Gus in here to give us a live life and times. We just had Gus. We just had it. We had his party. <laughs> wow. Oh, I don't care, Buzz. They all do, I, don't, I honestly don't care. Well, you sound because like you of, do. No, no, because you're wrong. <laughs> Don't start me. Do not start me, please. Everything that he's saying gets picked up. Mate, when you write crap articles about me the way you do, why should I talk to you? Have a think back. So in true Media Watch fashion, we're going to start with a live mic incident. Not that many people watch Channel 9, but if you did, you would have picked this up. And Watson now to the halfway. Special guest joining us, Reed Barney. I've no doubt you'd like to be out there for the finals. Reed, how are you seeing the opening stages here? Fuck. <laughs> I don't know Reed got us. Let's try and fix that up and, uh, and get back to him. That actually happened? That actually happened. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and did you hear that they rang the ruck infringement bell afterwards to censor Reed for what he had to say? <laughs> and let me tell you, finally, a, a rugby league commentator telling it like it is. Because, <laughs> well, like I said, we we got that we had the direct feed from nine. We didn't have the audio. We had the sound effects in the crowd. We didn't have the you know, tracks one and two, which is the hundred percent or the, the the people speaking. So we could see him there, but we couldn't hear that wonderful dialogue. That's one of the best contributions to Channel Nine any commentator has made this decade. Well, speaking of contributions, this isn't nine, but you know we have been talking about about Wayne Bennett. Who me? 
and you know this whole time we're talking about he's doing ducks and drakes or whatever it was all just a big distraction because of course you know who knows how much this what the rule they're they're debating or whatever even if it really exists you know it's all very tedious but you did have the young kid taff at at fullback and after the game he was asked this what kind of kid is he Wayne? Did you, did you did you is he the kind of kid you felt would be able to get out there and just play a game of football was the young kid up for a game of footy Okay, and that sounds like, oh, you know, you know what he's talking about. You know what he means. But this whole time, Wayne Bennett, if anyone, you know, remembers last week, Wayne Bennett actually had this to say. He's got nice. Yeah, look, he's a football player. I know that. So it's... It's very simple in Wayne's world. Yeah, Wayne Bennett's playing 3D chess while we're all playing checkers underwater (laughs) or however that goes. That's right. (laughs) And then I'll just finish up with another mathematics in rugby league. Uh, contribution. This one's from Paul Kent. Now, Dennis, you're the you're the uh, the encyclopedia on on state of origin. <laughs> so, if hypothetically a team won from 2006 till 2013, how many in a row is that? Six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. That'd be eight. Eight in a row. It's widely accepted that Queensland won eight in a row. Yep. Yes. Yep. Well. But instead of being eight in a row, it was actually three, one, and then four. It wouldn't look anywhere near as magnificent, would it? Okay. It was actually three, (laughs) then one, then another four. Yep. That would still still do. That would be, you know, it would be close to eight if you're adding those three, one, and four up. Kenny was talking about the (laughs) Fibonacci sequence there or something, wasn't he? Yeah. I mean, I didn't have time to add it up. Uh, I was too busy busy looking for Gus Gould tapes. Um, but <laughs> I think it's ballpark. All right. Uh, I also have a Janet Jackson fact. Oh. I know it was supposed to stop, but I couldn't nah. resist. What do you got? Go the Daily Telegraph had a preview copy of the song Feedback. Feedback. They feedback. described it on record as a cracking pop song. There you go. Wow. I get most of my new music out of the Telegraph these days. You know, they they, they give me great tips on lockdown. Doesn't that, yeah, doesn't that seem odd to get music uh, from a a newspaper now? Mm. Speaking of music, we've been talking about music. We've been talking about music on our socials. Of course, the grand final is is coming up. So we're talking about grand final entertainment. Mm -hmm. The NRL traditionally has a very poor record with NRL grand final entertainment so we put it out to the listeners of the show about who should play at it immediately we got you know the, the usual ones Barnsley, Powderfinger, Savage Garden were the most popular ones and you know look if if you're a betting person which I guess the rugby league punter would be you'd bet on those but in that same vein we did have Custard came up a few times sure um, which I thought might have been a joke, but I think that, that you know, I'm only 30, only 30, but maybe people a touch older than me actually did like custard or do like custard. Along that same vein, Cam Short said the Wiggles, which I think the one of the highest, uh, the most cut through the NRL has got off of a grand final performance was Macklemore and, you know, annoying the, the right wing, the Ray Hadleys and whatnot. Uh, with the you know social progression, so with the Wiggles being in the news recently, 
Perhaps you could relight that spark. If that's that might I might have uh, over analogized myself. So you're saying the eight the eight part wiggles, the inclusive right. wiggles. Yeah, yeah. And there's nothing <laughs> the more diverse than, and inclusive wiggles. And there's mm. nothing more than rugby league loves than than catching, you know, trying to redo what worked yesterday. So try and redo the Macklemore performance. Well, let's let's wiggles. have a look at it because rugby league is concerned. You know, Pat, you're not. Are you thirty? Are you even thirty, Pat? Yeah, I'm thirty. You're thirty. Just yeah. you've got two over fifties here who are doing the podcast, they're concerned that their demographic is getting older and older. That's why they want to go to the southeast Queensland route, because they want to try and get a new audience. They want to try and find a younger audience. And what is a younger audience under 30? Well, they're all going to clubs and playing Xbox and stuff. What do they all have in common? The Wiggles. They grew yes. up on a diet of Wiggles, bringing the Wiggles. I thought you were going to say Gus Gould's nightclub. Yeah. N- well, th- that's the thing. Gus Gould nightclub, Nutbush City Limits, and Oh What a Night. Those are both seventies tracks. Bring in the Wiggles. That'll get the under thirties in. That'll get the teens in. That'll get the lot. The- Why haven't they done this? Why are the Wiggles not up there? And Anthony Wiggle is rugby league, and I have real hopes of we can get Anthony Wiggle on this show. Imagine yeah, yeah, that. Look, I- I think it's brilliant, Dennis. And I mean, I think, you know, other Queensland artists that come to mind, you know, like George and things like that. But I think what the horseman is working on is to tie it with the Wiggles. And he's gone, picked up the phone. He's gone, Darren, truly, madly, deeply, one of the great Australian pop songs. And we will see Savage Garden come that first weekend in October, strutting their stuff back on an Australian stage. And it will be a victory over whatever the Cubs wallop they serve up at the Dishlicker Bowl over in Perth for the AFL Grand Final the week before. My understanding Matt. is they've booked meatloaf. And gee, it's good to hear Peter Volandis' <laughs> voice back on the show. <laughs> it certainly is. <laughs> that, um, what's the other Savage Garden song? Uh, song about the moon and back or something? Uh, no, the one, um, the one about monogamy. Um, I believe. <laughs> I believe there's my two, two songs that I think are the worst ever are that and David Bowie's cover of God Only Knows. They're just... And then Daylight, next. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the whole Tonight album is a bit of a... Apart from Loving the Alien, of course, a bit of a tough uh, listen for Bowie fans, isn't it? Well, yeah, we don't need to... Yeah. We don't need to go into that. We don't, you know, we've only got... I think, I think we're going to wait for... Um, I don't think Savage Garden will come in this year. I think we will come in next year when the Raiders make the grand final... And a certain Xavier Savage is in there. Oh, It'll be the Xavier yeah. Savage Garden. He's a Queensland That'd boy. Be nice. The Xavier be Savage nice. Garden. I like it. Yeah. Well, there was. Uh, you did touch on on Billy Idol and Meatloaf. There is a lot of talk about them. They've got unfinished business. Yes. Certainly, the NRL uh, would get Meatloaf because they do love making uh, some other codes problem their own. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised they just didn't get Meatloaf to perform the next day in the NRL. There's always talk about Tina Turner, of course, but she says only under the guarantee that I get to perform Nutbush City Limits, limits yeah. with Gus Gould. <laughs> In a floral shirt and bug crushes yeah, and right. flares. Get, is, Ike, is Ike Turner still alive? Could we get him back together for that? Uh, uh, probably no, not. The answer is no, and I don't think we probably would. Uh, <laughs> uh, speaking of get back together, we did also have a suggestion that we get uh, the Modern Lovers back together. That would be a coup. Imagine that. As in Jonathan Richmond and the Modern oh, Well, sure. I mean, if there's one, there's one thing when I listen to Jonathan Richmond I think of, it's Queensland. <laughs> yeah, he's very whimsical. Very. Um, onto the serious suggestions, though. 
So James has says tattoo. We have talked a little bit about tattoo. We played the Smiths earlier. I'm not a Smiths guy. I prefer tattoos cover of How Soon Is Now. Fair enough. So not rose tattoo. No, no rose tattoo. Just normal tattoo. <laughs> it would. It would also cement Australian-Russian relations, and we, Lord knows we need that. Mm. <laughs> yeah. We also had Sam, and I say Sam because there is a acute accent on the A in Sam. Mm-hmm. Said Aqua. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. I thought you'd be a bit more excited. No. Uh, we <laughs> we do have. Uh, we seem to be. Uh, I'm a man of the people. We seem to be having raising statuses. So at the start, it was you had friend of the show. Now it's actual friend of the show. Proper friend of the show, super duper friend of the show. I just want to say I think it's getting all a, a little bit out of hand. Super duper friend of the show, Courtney uh, Shapter. She has a ukulele group, and if you get Ooh. on their Facebook group, it's like a, you know a bunch of people getting together and singing along and playing ukulele. They do have a friendly rivalry with a ukulele group up the road called Yuko Ono. <laughs> <laughs> she says that she'll play if she can get into the into the um, into the state. I, I kind of like that because you've got the sort of the, the grassroots thing and pair them with the K-pop sensations, the stray cats that have got a couple of Aussies as part of their boy band. So, you know, you're reaching to the young kitties, plus you're also reflecting your roots. I think a, a ukulele stray, uh, so it's just stray cats and something like that matchup is really, really oh, important. Oh, boy. I, one of the cruises I played on, not a Gus Gould cruise, I'm afraid, but a- um Straight kids, I should say. It was a state of origin cruise. And on this cruise, there were some people who booked on it kind of by mistake. There were some uh, Japanese tourists who had no idea about rugby league and the entire entertainment on the cruise was rugby league. And there was a group of 30 people who booked on just a random cruise and this one was cheap. They were a ukulele group and they were all over 70. And you'd be sitting there going, just want to find somewhere quiet to sit and work. So you go to the cafe that doesn't open until 2 o'clock and at midday they'd come in. And they'd just start playing. And they would like this swarm that followed people around and played ukulele, 30 of them. And they weren't ukulele players. This, this wasn't some, you know, magnificent Hawaiian outfit. This was just plunk, 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 plunk. Oh, take me home. Plunk, 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 plunk. It was, it was hideous. They, they, they just needed the a couple of, the, of recorders to fix it up, yeah. stop it off. They weren't, playing the, they weren't playing the best of the White Lotus soundtrack, I guess is what you're saying. <laughs> Maybe maybe that really is. That's the metal machine. Yes. A yes. ukulele album. <laughs> <laughs> and skewing younger, we did have the chats come up. I think most Ooh. people would be familiar with the chats. No, I like that. Yeah, the chats, the pissed idiots, and Amal and the sniffers. Amal, There's a bit yeah. of energy for you. Yeah, so uh, super duper friend of the show, uh, Tiernan Stinson, said that the chats are actually rugby union fans. No. Which, yeah, isn't that weird? No, they're, they're- Cut them. Cut them. Yeah, they don't show rugby union in pubs. They're- you need a smart TV to watch it now. They're talking about smokos. They're talking- yeah, they're like- yeah. No, no. Um, Todd Bosworth suggested um, this band called Boing Boing, who I hadn't heard of. Thanks. Well, let me take you back to Brizzy, 1983. <laughs> this is my story of one man, one man with a dream. Oh, yeah, JT. So that's JT. This isn't a lie, and in brackets, this isn't a library. Talk it up. Yeah. 
Benjamin Mark had Violent Soho, who I think Violent Soho are big league fans. They're up in Brizzy. Um, of course, they would have to change the words of their, their big song. Would They'd have to change that to Hell, Michael Luck, yeah. <laughs> Busby Maru, I believe, also. Very sort of appropriate for Queensland. They like their footy. A few years ago, there was a band called You Beauty from Sydney. He wrote a concept album of an amateur footballer who decides that he has to give it away. Called I think the album's called Jersey Flag. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, and then finally, my vote goes to Russell Dustin. Yes. How's this? How's this for a lineup? The Pluckaduck All Star Group. Ooh. With holograms of Doug Parkinson, Jeff St. John, Stevie Wright, John English, along with Harsh. Wow. I don't know what any of those words mean. Oh, they mean legend- uh, legendary. When we used to do the show with Stephen, Chris, you and Chris would, uh, you and Stephen, sorry, would, would talk about those a lot. So I know William Shakespeare can't oh. be too far away. And yes. let me tell you, if it's good enough for ABBA, it's good enough for our grand final. Absolutely. Um, so that would be that would be my pick. Um, and just to shout out our our group, blowing up deluxe on Facebook. I wouldn't be doing it justice now to try and go through and shopping list style everything. But the discussion on on finals and stuff, it's it's really terrific. We um, uh, if you you know you are sitting around during finals, have a have a look at it. It is a uh, it's it's something. It is something. Really appreciate everything that's being done on that group. It's fantastic. Is it time for my kooky correspondence corner? Chris, it's time for Dennis? Chris's kooky correspondence corner. I'll be nice and sharp. We've had feedback again on Instagram from Don't Argue. He says, I've noticed the deteriorating quality of Channel 9's commentary of late. Well, he obviously didn't hear Reed Marnie on the weekend because it's had a spike. <laughs> uh, and he did know that Freddie said a few weeks back being linked to the Parramatta job that his media gig could be gone in the future. And he's just wondering if the quality of the nine commentary is reflecting a border issue that with the free-to-air rights up for grabs, we might be uh, moving on from Channel 9. God, please don't send us to Stan Sport. The the other bit of correspondence is my promise that I began last night to fulfil by watching SAS Australia. And the early returns are Sam Burgess is clearly the star of the show. He said, I was really looking forward to being a number again, but they gave him number 16, so they've got Sam coming off the bench. And uh, he Imagine said South won that. Yeah, exactly. Southwind, goes, Southwind on two networks. <laughs> that's right. And he says, you know, I'm sick of being a loser. And I guess that's generally his experience at South. But most importantly, the star of the show from the SAS point of view, Ant Middleton, having done the one-on-one or the two-on-one intense interview with Sam and all his personal problems and confessions and whatever, Sam gets the bag put back on his head, taken out of the, the barracks. And the, the, Ant Middleton looks at me and goes, you know what? I see myself in that guy. And then he goes, we're about, we're about the same age that when I ended up in jail. So um, it's going to be a very interesting journey for Sam on SAS and we'll keep you very much apprised of that. Oh, that saves me from watching it. Thank you, Chris. And so that's, <laughs> that's it? That's it. So do we have – now, last week, last week you were teasing us. Is there, yes. Have you got another reason to dislike the Sydney Roosters for us? Absolutely. The Sam oh, Walker God. field goal through illegal blocking by two oh. Roosters players – which means Wayne Bennett failed to get through to the NRL referees, and that's yet another new reason to hate the Sydney Roosters. 
Well, with that, with a new reason to hate the Sydney Roosters, we'll adjourn the meeting. Thank you for listening. And do, again, join the Blowing Up Deluxe Facebook group. Now, Pat was mentioning about um, the music for the grand final. Um, and that made me think of a segue, which I've now completely lost. The new oh, show. That's not what I was going to go to, but yes, let's go. So over. Oh, no, it was. Thank you. Yes. Over summer. Over summer, once the grand final's done, we're going to have a couple of weeks of a uh, couple of weeks of break, and then we're going to go into the summer series, and we're going to get some of these. He's saying there's some Queensland bands who actually like rugby league. We're going to delve into the arts because to me, Sydney has a dearth of bands who actually like rugby league. Queensland has plenty, so we're going to look at the nexus between arts. The art of the arts and the art of rugby league and find rugby league fans who like the arts and arts fans who like rugby league and hopefully Gladys will let us have guests. So that's going to come up once we get through the grand final and have a little break. So we're going to call it the Fire Up Summer Series to get you all fired up for next season. But I hope you're fired up for the finals and tune in next week. And as a little preview, here's one of our favourite artists doing a little bit of art for Fire Up. Brendan Cow. Anti-sax by Brendan Cow. There is something that I need to say that I've been keeping in at bay, okay? And don't think I don't know that such sentiments, well, in these times can offend. Punishment, not nourishment, is the party theme. Yay! Inside the digital abyss of link-clicked vitriol soiree. So sit down, maybe. Relax. Because I've just got to tell you what I've been withholding, holding back. Okay, I'm just going to say it. I think you should know now that I'm anti-sax. I'm as surprised as you how it grew. But now that it's here, I always knew it was true. I'm anti-sax, all right? I'm anti-sax. I just don't believe in it. I think it's a hoax. When I see that bloke lift that horn to his lips, I think, stop it, mate. What is this? Some sort of joke. I'm anti-sax. Hell is a cell shared with Kenny G. I'm anti-sax, the lack of authenticity. And of course, like every conspiracy theory, there are genuine exceptions like John Coltrane in the bebop inception, Stan Getz, Wayne Shorter, Charlie Parker's mood goes darker, Sade's smooth operator, careless whisper, born to run, Nina Simone, I put a spell on you, number one. And that defining saxophone work of art, the emo Aussie solo, in in excesses never tear us apart. I had my first patch to that song, Escape Plus Miranda. I was standing. She was there in her slacks, waiting for the sax to kick in. Sometimes you kiss, sometimes you get kissed. Bullseye tonsils, tongues like darts. Sing it, Michael. Never tear us apart. And in that moment beneath the disco ball, our parents waiting in their cars outside to pick us up and take us home, I could feel the sax stirring. And it was real, iconic even, within my adolescent loins. But as time goes on and things calm down, I don't believe in it. It's a spoiler, a liar, a bull in a china shop. It just doesn't hold back. So here I am, 45 male, and proud to be anti-sax. And yeah, I've lost friends from saying it. I've been mace-sprayed, spat on, shinned by horse's hoof, even worse than that. I've been blocked on Facebook. 
that I stand by my distaste. For when that filthy, earnest, unsubtle horn enters the track, and I've done my research, not just YouTube, okay? I'm fully qualified to express this. I'm Andy Sachs. If saxophone can save your life, then I'm happy to just die. Give me the recorder any day. I learnt that in year five. I'm anti-sax and proud. I'm anti-sax. Say it loud. What is there left to say? From this noise I must get away. Where is the place where rebels play? I know. I'll head to Byron Bay. Fuck. <laughs>